Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I honestly feel that that's the very message that men like Copeland and Carrillo and Parsley and Hen and Womack and a host of others need to hear. You think that you can buy the power of God with money. And what a danger that is. But you know what? God will take care of those that market the message. We just need to wait on Him. God will take care of those who try to market the power of God. Do you remember what Jesus did after he encountered the profiteers in the temple courts? He demonstrated a holy anger that we don't see anywhere else in the Gospels. It disgusted him to see these men taking advantage of people who were trying to seek him. As Pastor David will warn in today's message, there are a number of ministries in our society that are guilty of the same charge. God will not allow them to go unpunished. They may see rewards in this life, but sadly, their lot will likely be much different in eternity. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 19 as he continues his message of tongues, hankies, and demons. God was doing a supernatural and a unique work through the ministry of Paul, much like the hem of Jesus' garment. Remember, the woman with the issue of blood that came and just simply touched the hem of his garment. If you remember also earlier in Acts, the uh, apostle Peter, he would walk along and they would lay the the, the sick and the lame beside the roadway so that even the shadow of Peter would fall upon them and people were being healed because of that. If you look in the Gospels, you realize that when Jesus healed the blind, he didn't do it the same way all the time. Some he just touched, some he spoke, some he touched a couple of times, and some he, he did the spit in the eye routine with the, the mud and everything. And again, the, he, we're not to mimic. We are to seek God. What are you doing in my life? What is the gift that you're working in my life? So much, again, that, that, that we, we want to fall on something that we feel comfortable with rather than trusting God on what he wants to do in our lives right now, today. We're not to mimic the work of God in others' lives. We need to prayerfully seek the Lord for his direction in our own lives. And we see the danger of this mimicking of the work of God without the Holy Spirit's direction, without the Holy Spirit's true empowering right here in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. Look next at verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists They took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul 
preaches. You see, these guys didn't have a relationship with Christ, but they had seen the power of Christ working in other lives. I want some of that power. Maybe if I use the magic words, maybe if I have the magic formula, maybe if I just prayed the prayer the right way, this will happen for me. Look what happens here in verse 14. By the way, this is one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. Verse 14, also there were seven sons of Sceva, who was a Jewish chief priest. They did the same thing. Verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who be you? Undoubtedly, these guys had no relationship with Christ. They felt they could use the name of Christ. They, they felt that the, there was, oh, there's power in the name of Christ, don't get me wrong. But the power in the name of Christ are for those who are his, not for those who just take it as a, some magical or mystical uh, uh, phrase or word that they can say. They were looking for the formula. They were looking for the magic words. They were looking to try to ride the, 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 the shirt tails, again, of the miracles that God was actually doing through the Apostle Paul. They wanted to find a way to market the power of God, just like, if you remember back earlier in the book of Acts, Simon the magician, who he had seen, again, the power of God falling on individuals when Peter and the others were praying for these individuals. And so Simon the magician asked Peter, he said, wow, I, I, I want to buy that power so that whoever I pray for, that power will fall on them. Peter's response to him was kind of soft and gentle, <laughs> tongue in cheek. Peter said to him in Acts chapter eight, he says, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and you're bound by iniquity. I think Peter gave it to him pretty straightforward. Repent therefore of your wickedness. Guys, I honestly feel that that's the very message that men like Copeland and Carrillo and Parsley and Hen and Womack and a host of others need to hear. You think that you can buy the power of God with money. And what a danger that is. But you know what? God will take care of those that market the message. We just need to wait on him. God will take care of those who try to market the power of God. Some of you may have heard that Benny Hinn had actually uh, come out and, and said that he repented, he apologized for what's called the prosperity gospel, where he was asking people to send in money that God might bless them with more money. And that's a regular routine, a regular call of most of the word faith movement. You send in that seed of faith, God will give you an abundance. Well, Benny Hinn apologizing, he says, that was not of God. I apologize for any that I might have hurt on that. It'll be interesting to see what, how that works out. One thing he did not repent of is the, 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 the miracle healing ministries, quote unquote, that uh, he does, uh, even as he swings his coat in the air and people 
fall down, quote-unquote, slain in the Spirit. We didn't hear him repent of any of that. It'll be interesting to see how this goes, particularly since one uh, pastor friend of mine said he repented of the same thing back in the 90s. So uh, we'll see how that works. One thing we do see is that God can take care of his own business. He takes care of these seven sons real quick. And he did it, actually, by allowing the demon to have his way over these seven sons. Look what it says in verse 16. And the man in whom the evil spirit was, he leaped on them, he overpowered them, and he prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I think God can take care of this. He just lets the demon have his way. These seven sons of Sceva, seven men against this one man, and that one man with that demonic spirit within him prevailed against these guys. He beat them up. He stripped them down. He kicked them out. It's not their power to, again, spread about or try to use for their own devices. It's the power of God that they were speaking about. And I believe that these men had full knowledge that they were totally off track, that they didn't have actually the power that was needed, and yet they continued, they ran harder, they ran faster away from the truth as they tried to market the power of God against this man with this demonic spirit. They nearly got themselves killed. And you know what? They did that man with that demonic spirit absolutely no good at all. And yet even in that, God still prevails because a great testimony came about because of that. Look what it says in verse 17. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And here it is, folks. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. All this craziness going on. And yet God is still over it all. God is still over it all. He says, you know what? They're going to do their craziness. They're going to get themselves almost killed. But I'm going to use that to glorify my name. So many times in our lives, right now, where we live, we see events happening in the here and now. We get overwhelmed by them. We get frustrated by them. We get defeated by them. But we need to continually remember, guys, God is neither ignorant of the efforts of the enemy uh, he's not taken aback by them. He's not limited in any way by whatever the enemy does to bring about his purposes and will because of his great power. And guys, the end story is our God always prevails. Amen? Amen. Always prevails. We may live in a moment of time where it seems like there is no prevailing. We may be in a moment of time where we see we feel there's no victory in this. But guys, we are looking at just a moment in time. Our God always prevails. As a matter of fact, so often through the scriptures, we see that reality of that continued fulfillment of the words. Uh, and, and we go back to the book of Genesis. As Joseph told his brothers, you remember the story of Joseph how his brothers had sold him, he'd gone through so much, he'd been in prison, nearly lost his life, so many things. 
And when Joseph was finally reunited with his brothers, these are the words that Joseph declared to his brothers. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. And that's exactly what we see here. Fear fell on all of them in Ephesus, Jew and Gentile, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. The enemy tried to do something. God shut him down, and then God's name was exalted. Even many who had believed, many who are the, uh, followed Christ, had come to faith in Christ, they came confessing and telling their deeds. These seven sons of Sceva, these other Jewish exorcists, these men like Simon the magician, as well as these charlatans of today's word faith movement, they, they, they look to make the work of God a marketplace for their own purposes, and yet God will not allow his true plan and his purpose to be sold. God will even take the foolishness of man and bring it about for his own purposes. And while man himself will eventually have to come and stand in judgment before Almighty God. But guys, in the midst of that, the message of God was being proclaimed every day for two years at the school of Tyrannus. The word of God was continually spreading out through the area of Asia. God was working miracles, true miracles, in the lives of people through healings and true deliverance from demonic powers. And the purity of God's purposes was continually being maintained, even though the enemy was trying to do everything he could to shut it down or to make, uh, make a marketplace of it. What a powerful testimony to the people of the city and to that region. Paul didn't have to schedule a miracle crusade. Hey, this coming February, we're going to have a miracle crusade. He didn't have to schedule a revival. Hey, next Sunday afternoon, we're going to have a revival time. No, Paul consistently did what God placed before him. And in his faithful consistency of what God was doing in and through his life, God himself brought the revival. And that's how it's supposed to work. How do we plan a revival? We can plan a time of coming uh, and confessing. We can plan a time of coming and interceding. We can plan a time of coming and just pouring out our hearts before the Lord. But folks, unless the Lord brings a revival, there's nothing man's going to do. We may have an emotional meeting, but it's not going to be a true revival. And when you look at what was happening there in Ephesus, the people were being moved. They were being moved not by the show, but they were being moved by the power of the Holy Spirit. They weren't simply making verbal commitments to Christ. No, their lives were actually being changed. And the fruit of their changed lives was evident in their righteous actions and in their lifestyle changes. Look what it says in verses 19 and 20. Also, many of those who had practiced magic they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. I was going to look, see how much that would be today, but just, let's just say, that's a lot of money. But it didn't matter to them. They knew that it was wrong. And instead of running harder and faster in a direction that they knew was wrong, they were willing to stop, 
turn around, get rid of these things, and see God work and move in their lives. And because of that, verse 20 says, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Beloved, when Christ comes into a life, the life is changed. If there is no change in the life, then Christ has not come into the life. Do I need to say that again, or did you get it the first time? If Christ is there, change happens. And if change doesn't happen, then apparently it's just an emotional thing and there was never truly a born-again experience. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence in an individual's life, a process begins to happen. We can think of the process of metamorphosis, just a changing, the whole structure, everything about that individual. Now, for some folks, that change happens dramatic and right away. For others, it is a process. But beloved, if there's not been the change, then you need to question whether or not the Holy Spirit is truly in your life, whether or not you are truly born again. If the people of Ephesus began to claim that they were followers of Jesus Christ and they continued on with their magic and all these other worldly affairs, what do you think the world would say about that? Do you think the world would look at them and say, wow, that's something dynamic, that's something powerful? No. They would say, oh, they're, they're just following another one of our Greek or Roman gods. Nothing powerful happened. Because their lives were a demonstration of the power of God through the choices that they were making and the life that they were living, the world around them saw the reality and the truth that there is a God in heaven who desires to come and impact the lives of his creation. And because they saw that in those lives, it says that the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Guys, the only way the church is going to change the world is when the church is changed. When we began living in full obedience and an open stance against the things of the world, only then will the world see the power of God working in and through it. How can we make a difference in the community that we live? Oh, we could have a big campaign. We could even put on a a, a big show. And neither one of those things are, are bad in and of themselves. But beloved, the only lasting change that we're gonna have on our own families and on our communities is when they see that real and complete change in the lives of those who are wholly and completely surrendered to Christ. When the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, and hear me, church, not so much even in signs and wonders, and I believe in the gifts, and I believe that they are uh, valid for today and necessary for today, but you know what? It's not the working of the gifts and of miracles. It's the working of a changed life that really and truly impacts the world around us. Miraculous transformation of lives that are made fresh and new. 
We're to live our lives. If we claim Christ as our Savior, we are to live our lives committed and sold out for the glory of God, even to our own hurt. Even to our own hurt. The world needs to see lives surrendered to Christ. They need to see, again, Jesus Christ magnified in the lives of believers. They need to see that that supernatural working of the Holy Spirit isn't just some show, but it's real in the hearts and lives. They need to see an interchange. As a matter of fact, Paul even tells us, we could do all kinds of miracles, but if the fruit of the Spirit isn't evident in our lives, we become just like sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Without the interchange of life, Paul says, we ourselves are absolutely nothing. How about you today? Are you simply in it for the show? Speaking, of, speaking in tongues, the miracle of the hankies, uh, seeing dramatic exorcisms of, of demons, all those things, I don't doubt that God is doing. He is doing many of those things still today. But is that all you're after? Or are you truly looking for and you're desiring your life to be changed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit in order that you can become less that he might become all in all? I keep thinking I'm going to close, but there's one more thing I want to share with you. (laughs) Jesus speaks to this church in Ephesus, specifically to this church in Ephesus. In the book of Revelation, you don't need to turn there, but you're welcome to look at it later. Chapter 2 of Revelation. Jesus himself speaking to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your works. I, I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that you can't bear those that are evil. And that you've tested those who say that they're apostles, but they're not. And you found them to be liars. And you have persevered and you have patience. Oh, and you've labored for my name's sake and you've not grown weary. Then he says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like they were doing church really, really well. They had a great church, a lot of good programs. Man, they were, they were pure on the word, pure on the teaching of the word, pure in, in the actions. They, they would not allow the evil to prevail in that church. They were doing it really, really good. But even though they were doing the stuff, they were failing in the relationship. I think it's time for each of us. Pause and consider the direction that we're going. Do we keep going harder and faster, being busy about stuff, when really what we need to do is stop and make sure that our relationship is right? Don't keep running harder and faster if you don't have that relationship right. We need to stop and turn our eyes upon Jesus. We need to look full in his wonderful face. When we do, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his mercy and grace.
Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word.